Area 941 podcast are produced and distributed by Community Powered 94.1 KPFA Radio. Please help support Area 941 at kpfa.org. This is the Bay Area Theater Podcast. I'm Richard Walensky with interviews conducted over the years and during the pandemic with playwrights, directors, actors, and producers. Kathleen Turner first broke into Hollywood big time with her very first film role, that of the ultimate noir blonde in the 1981 film Body Heat. She followed that up with several other successful roles, including Romancing the Stone, Pritzi's Honor, The War of the Roses, the voice of Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and more recently as a frequent guest on such TV series as The Kaminsky Method and Mom. Starting in 2012, she began portraying the great Molly Ivins in a stage play, Red Hot Patriot, the kick-ass wit of Molly Ivins, and I had a chance to interview Kathleen Turner in the office of then-artistic director Tony Tacconi when her one-woman show hit Berkeley Rep in the late winter of 2014 to 2015. This interview aired on KPFA on November 24, 2014, and has not aired since. Kathleen Turner, Red Hot Patriot, the kick-ass wit of Molly Ivins, that began for you when somebody from People for an American Way contacted you because these two women were working on yes, the here's a Margaret and Allison Engel are these twin sisters. And they were originally, they're journalists, originally from Iowa. So they have a good friend, uh, Jim Autry, who is on the board with me uh, of People for the American Way. And we've known each other many years. I think I've been on the board about 29 years, so he's he's about the same. any case, though, they were evidently talking, and they said, well, we've got this piece on Molly Ivins, and, you know, our number one choice would be Kathleen Turner, but we don't know how to get it to her. And he said, oh, give it to me. <laughs> I just I just pass it on. So he, he calls me up, and he says, I've got a script for you. I said, Jim, why would you have a script for me? I said, long story, long story. Are you going to read it? I said, Sure. I mean, I wouldn't say no, you know. And so you read it, and? I read it, and I loved Molly. You know, I got to meet her several times. I had one encounter that was just outrageous. Did I tell you the story? That was the time you went out with her and Ann Richards? No, I, I went into Ann's apartment, yeah. Well, Ann had taken an apartment in my building in New York. So I came into the lobby, and Ann and Molly were waiting for the elevator, and they they looked at each other, and they looked at me, and they said, well, you're coming with us. I said, yeah, I guess so. Well, you know, to them, I think I, you know, I was a fresh audience, you know, on one-on-one. So they uh, they were telling stories, and I can tell you the, uh, the one about Molly told this great story that when Ann was starting out in politics, and all the real political maneuvering was done at backyard barbecues and things, you know. So Anne had gone to one of these with a young woman who was her assistant and a young black man that she just hired for her campaign. So all these people were coming up to Anne saying, you know, Anne, you look lovely, you know, darling, and who's this sweet young thing with you? And they just never saw the black man, you know, just passed right by him. So Molly said, you know, Anne commenced to become a little perturbed by this. And so um, 
when someone finally came up to her, she said, Oh, Judge, Judge, I'm so happy to meet you. I'd like you to meet my new husband. <laughs> I changed a few things. My memory of, of Molly uh, comes from a couple of interviews yeah. where one time she said, uh, we were in Berkeley. This was in 2003. She goes, you people in Berkeley are so serious. Politics should be fun. I first met her in 1990, and the thing I remembered about her is that she was larger than life, physically. I know. I know. I was just, okay, I was also just down. Oh, I didn't even tell you. I've been running back and forth to Texas because of this election and everything like that. And But last, in October, uh, just before I came here, I went down to Austin for the 60th anniversary of the Texas Observer. And Kay Northcott, who was Molly's editor and partner in so many ways the years she was there, who's this tiny little thing, you know, she, I sat down to talk with her at this table. And Kay was, we were talking. She said, well, you know, she, Molly was big. I mean, she was really big. I said, yeah, no. She said, well, you're not. <laughs> And I said, well, I am on stage. So we left it at that. <laughs> well, I mean, when you're sitting across from her and you see that, but you're on, when you're on stage, of course, you create the size. Very much so. What is it like for you? I mean, you've created characters, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Graduate, and in those Kathleen Turner creates her own character. But in the case of Molly Ivins, you're working from a real person. I know. I know. At first, I was concerned, you know, that, well, partly to do it justice. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's always in the back of my mind. But also, the thought that um, I, I'm not an imitator. That's not what I do. I'm an actor. So I really sort of had to find my way thinking. This I, I'm not imitating Molly. I'm playing a character based on Molly. Do you put in the accent? You do the accent? I try, but I found, quite honestly, and I, I'm probably going to get trouble for this, that the true East Texan accent is kind of ugly. So I touch I touch it up with a little southern, makes it a little a little sweeter. How hard is it for you to get the accent right in all of these shows? Well, I don't think it's my primary focus. Certainly enough that it wouldn't be jarring if it were actually wrong, you know. But uh, I just don't think it's the most important thing. For you, what gets to the heart of it, and what's the mm. difference also between getting to the heart of it solo on stage and when you're working with people? Well, yes, this is alone on stage, but the audience is so much a part of it. I mean, she's she's really talking to people there all the time, and so I I feel I, I just feel like the audience is part of the show. I mean, to me, they they are, and I think to each other too. But I'll tell you that one of the biggest differences is uh, it's lonely. It's lonely because when the, the curtain comes down and uh, everybody goes home. I don't have anybody to have fun with. Just me. You just go back to your dressing room. Yeah, usually. As I say, it's lonely. When you're trying to create that empathy with the audience, that's very different than working on stage opposite someone. Oh, it? absolutely. There's no fourth wall in this show. You know, I just threw that out right at the top. 
we do accept the fourth wall, you know, the imaginary, that you're, you're looking into something from the audience point of view, but we don't see you. You know, that's the, the classic structure of, of a play. No, 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 no. We don't have any of that in this now. The other thing, of course, is that if you break the fourth wall and, you know, at times I'm sure there's ad libs if there's something from the audience, you're still in character. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, there are, there have been. And there's sometimes I want a response, a, a vocal response from, from the audience. but And that's just fun, you know. Kathleen Turner, this play began in 2010. Uh, in Philadelphia, it went on 2012, Geffen Playhouse, and uh, it was also DC. in Washington, yeah. Well, that was that was timing, baby. I wanted it in Washington before the election. So we took it in in August and played right through the end of October, right up to the election. So anything dated? Did you try to make sure, pull out dated material? Or? Well, one of the things we want to be really scrupulous about is not putting words into Molly's mouth, yeah? So we can't go further than when she was alive. She died eight years ago. And so we can't, we can't bring in any, you know, any, anything that's happened in these, in the last eight years. That would be, that would be putting words into her mouth. Yeah. Right. We're not going to do that. So, but you would be amazed, even though, you know, she talks a great deal about, about Bush and, oh, um, you know, a lot of, of Republican Democrat politics and stuff. Still, so much of what she wrote is absolutely present, you know. And particularly now, after this last election, um, again, I think this is excellent timing because one of the things that this show gives me, and I hope gives to everyone, is a, a great optimism, a great belief that American citizens will act upon their responsibilities with joy and, you know, with thought. And I, boy, do I think we need that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, one of the things I notice about her is that she didn't follow, I guess, the Washington line. Remember once she said to me, the problem with going to Washington is you wind up, you know, after a few weeks, she said, I was spewing the same junk they were spewing there. <laughs> well, you hear it on every news cycle. And I mean, I don't, I don't care if it's Fox or MSNBC or who. You hear the same phrases over and over within, you know, within uh, the senators or the congressmen. The same choice of words over and over again. I don't know who's writing this script, you know, originally. Right. But I'd like them to take responsibility. Kathleen Turner, how does this change you as opposed to other projects? Or does it change you in any different way? Um... It gives me joy. It really gives me joy to play, to play this character and to have a sense of kinship. I think would be a good Molly word. You know, she she wrote in in her columns occasionally, or when she would say, "Now, beloveds," and I believe she was capable of seeing people that way, of having such a large heart that she could look at people and call them beloveds and mean it. What kind of research did you do for this beyond reading her books or, I guess, listening to some of her tapes? 
Um, not a great deal. I I am a firm believer, actually, that all the information I, I must have is in the script. If it's not, then we need to work on the script. You know what I mean? But truly, uh, I find... Uh, to be true to the script, if it's you know if it's if it's correct, is what I need first and foremost to do. How does this compare then with anything else? I mean, is it the same then? No. Uh, I mean, like being Martha. No, I, well, my mind just went to Martha. No, see, now that is uh, again. I mean, that that's a that's a oh. Martha was. I, I just finished Mother Courage too this year, um, and these are huge roles you know that that carry so much with them so much of relationships and and um manipulations and motivations and no this is much simpler thank you <laughs> it really it really is yeah i just gonna say yeah it's simpler <laughs> uh, well let's talk a little kathleen turner about your career now you grew up in a very very strict conservative household well i don't know that it's so much conservative as um i mean he wasn't right wing or anything my father was brought up in in china uh, my great-grandfather a missionary and he was brought up my father was brought up by his victorian maiden aunts you know and interned by the japanese throughout the war and then picked up by the foreign service after the liberation so his his values were perhaps more more sort of old fashioned and conventional than conservative huh? but a great sense of honor a great belief in right and wrong and the the truth being they could be right or could be wrong no he wasn't that gray okay yeah yeah well what would he have thought of molly ivins well he would have laughed i know that i would have laughed uh i don't know that he would have agreed with some of her progressive thoughts but you see now now when my dad died i was 17 and um, a lot has happened in our world since then. Oh yeah, you know how how his what his position would be now. I I don't know. Except in my heart, I think. Well, I, the word I keep coming back to is honor for him. That probably would have pushed him over away from the Republican camp. I would think. By now, I hope so. I think so. Certainly worked on my mom, and she might have been a tougher case. Why? Well, I think you know my mother now is uh, she's she's alive, lives you know in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, she's had she's had a terrific life after my dad died. She put herself back in school, worked up another a whole another profession and everything. We were we were all together for her ninetieth birthday. I have two brothers and a sister, and we were all together to throw her a big ninety right uh, last year. And I, I said, you know, Mom, you've had four kids who are all alive, healthy, accomplished, you know, self-supporting. This doesn't always happen. I think you get a lot of credit here. Your parents, though, were not happy with your being <laughs> an actress. Let's go um, back for a second. Yeah. What drew you to theater, even in high school? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, it's hard to answer that because what I remember is when I was twelve, and at that time we were living in Caracas, Venezuela. 
I remember thinking, oh, you know, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm going to be an actor. Now, at that point, I honestly don't think I'd ever been to the theater. So the only place I figure I got this was out of books, right? Because I've always been a huge reader. But then when, we, when I was 13, the next year, we moved to London. So I started high school in London. Now there, there was some of the best theater, you know, on earth. And that was when it occurred to me, not only could it be a dream, but I could actually earn my living at it as a profession. See, you know, the English truly believe in it as a skilled profession, not as something that just happened to you, you know, kind of thing. And, of course, we all knew that we'd have to make our own living. There was no family money or anything like that. So then I, once I realized that I could use it to pay the rent, that was enough. I said, okay, got my job. Turned out I'm I'm blessed. You know, I'm one of the lucky ones that has the right talent for the right job. You were in London. Did you start acting in when you went back to Missouri then? Or? Oh, Lord, yes. No, I started in, at London in high school. There were seven of us that ran the theater department. You know, we, we wrote, acted, directed, everything. And improv, too? No, no, I've never been any good at improv. No, I need a script, honey. No, but then, yeah, when I came back to Missouri, um, I think I figured out that first year I was either on stage or in rehearsal, all but 14 nights. Wow. I was very serious about it. This is what I was going to do. And then you went to New York? Or? Then I went to, to Baltimore for my last year of college, University of Maryland, Baltimore, with Herbert Blau. And that after that last year, my car was packed. I drove up, got to New York around 1 o'clock in the morning, and that was it. The off-Broadway production came first, right? Yeah. After about six months, I was at uh, Soho Rep. And then after about 10 months, I got the soap opera, The Doctors. And then 11 months, I got Gemini on Broadway. So, you know, but come on, I'm 22. I'm, I'm like, I'm going into NBC at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then I go to the theater at 5.30. And it's great. I, you can do it. You're 22, right? <laughs> so you were doing you were doing the play at night and doing the soap during the day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. How did you get body heat? Well, I was trying to audition. I tried to get an audition in New York uh, for the film. But the casting directors there, two men, I shall say, refused to allow me to audition because I had no film credits of any kind. So I was, I was I've flown out to L.A. to audition for another, a different film. And the woman, Wally Nacida, was casting Body Heat there. This is about three months later. Heard I was in town. And called and asked me to come in and read for her. So I read for her. She said, don't go anywhere. And she brought in Larry Kazan, and I read for him. And he said, thank you very much. And then they called me the next morning and said, please come back. And I went back, and he gave me another scene. And then they said, all right, we're going to set up a film, a screen test, you know, uh, with Bill Hurt. So we shot that. And then I waited two weeks. Ten business days, one of the worst phrases in the English language. <laughs> and then I got the call that I that I was in. How was that working on your first film? I mean, you went mm. right from nothing to being uh, like the lead. Yeah. No, uh, I don't think I understood at all what the impact would be. I'm, I'm quite sure I, I didn't. 
I was much too busy during the filmmaking to learn the what I was doing, to learn the craft. And, you know, it was Larry Kazin's first time directing. So he would be, you know, talking to the, the, the director, the cinematographer, saying, okay, why this camera? Why this lens? Why this light? Why? And I'm right next to him listening, you know, so that I, I'm getting all the same answers and think, okay, well, if that's true, then I can do this. So I was so busy learning how to use the camera well that, uh, or how I, I like to think of it as playing with the camera. You know. There's a real difference between movie or TV acting and stage acting, right? Or- oh, yeah. Yeah, there were, when I, I, I go back to stage every two or two and a half years, but I hadn't come back, I came back to Broadway in 1990 with Cat on Tin Roof, huh? So we're in rehearsals, and I, there was this one section in the, in the first act I, I was not happy with, I knew I wasn't getting to it, I, I just, argh. anyway, I finally realized we're in rehearsal one day, and I felt like a, a bump on my head, and I thought, what the... I thought, oh my God, this is where, when I'm filming, they say, okay, you're getting too big, or you're getting too loud, you know, Kathleen, bring it down, bring it down. And so I was automatically stopping myself to be more film size, and I went, well, the hell with that. Right. I said, you know, from the top again, please. And that was the end of that. So since then, you kind of, you can separate Once I out. became aware that I was doing it, yeah, it's gone. What about the difference between film and television? Is there any? Well, I'm not as uh, as knowledgeable on TV. Certainly, uh, the three camera system is is puzzling to me, and a lot of the sitcoms are done that way. You were friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's I'm just trusting that they I'm not bumping into anybody. But uh, but most good TV shows are single camera, and that's fine. That's just camera work. But when there's the three cameras that and the audience, right? That's yeah. Then you're kind of dancing around, you know. And if you just take a you know half a step too far, you're in another camera shot. <laughs> so you you wind up focusing more on on your blocking than on your acting. At that, I point. call it dancing. <laughs> Kathleen Turner, I understand that after Body Heat, you went into a different path. You wanted to avoid being typecast. Oh yeah. No, once we realized how powerful Body Heat was, I mean, it was really a breakthrough film, you know, in terms of accepted sexuality and everything in this country. Uh, no, there's no way. Of course, I was immediately offered uh, Body Heat 2, 3, 4, 5, you know, whatever. Wasn't going to happen. The truth of it is I can't take that much responsibility for foresight. The truth is, if I'd done one job and I thought I'd done it well, I had no desire to do the same thing again. So I have an automatic instinct to go, okay, next, let's do a comedy. You know, I make fun of Matty Walker, that man with two brains. Then uh, an action adventure. Well, I haven't done that. You know, and after that, crimes of passion. Oh, my God, Ken Russell. So it really was truly sort of a reaction to the job I'd done before. I would never be interested in doing the same thing again. I can't help it. How was it working with Ken Russell? Wow. Tough. Really, really tough. Uh, I I do believe he was a genius, you know. But a genius who was very conflicted about his own his own position in in, in film history. Um 
He was regarded as a world-renowned director, but at the same time, he was terrified that he would be accused of selling out somehow, going Hollywood, right? So he would do some something to shoot himself in the foot uh, every time. He was tough, but he, he, tougher was was Anthony Perkins in that film. He was he was very hard to work with. What about John Huston? Oh. I love John. That's Prince's honor. I know. I loved John. I just did. And at this time, this was the last major film that he he made. So he was he was on heavy oxygen and he wasn't as mobile as he'd been. So he would kind of say to Jack Nicholson and me, you know, why don't you just come up with I'll look at something. Show me something. And well just and we'd say, okay. Now, to me, this was licensed to do my own blocking and everything. And ha, ha, ha. You know, and John would come back with the cinematographer and they'd say it would work or it wouldn't work. And it was, I thought it was tremendously freeing. Yeah. Kathleen Turner, have you ever thought about directing yourself? Well, I have. I have. I have. Well, I've directed stage and I will continue to do that. I directed one film uh, years ago for Showtime. I might do that again. I did, however... Two years ago? Yeah. Direct and act in a play. And I that I don't I'm not gonna do that again soon. If I ever do it again. Because I really I was very you don't you don't have enough time to do full justice to each job to my mind. So that was a mistake, but I had to had to try. Well sure. Mm. Have you ever thought about playwriting? No, I'm a lousy writer. Really bad, 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 bad. <laughs> I'm a very good rewriter, simply because of my ability to perform. I can say, look, this material is great, but it doesn't. It could play better if we did this. So that I'm good at. But but writing, no, 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 no. As actresses get older, you know, actors too, but. It's really bad with women. <laughs> I don't know that you could say bad, but continue the, your point. My point is that, that suddenly you're thrust into, you go from being the lead to being, you know, the mother on the side. I'm still the lead, baby. <laughs> well, you managed to avoid it, particularly by going back to the stage. Well, that was intentional. I mean, it was always, always clear that as a woman gets older in America and certainly in, in, in Hollywood, you know, film industry, um, you, you are considered to lose value. Let's put it that way. And so suddenly I'm getting scripts about angry, divorced grandmothers or something. It's like, you know, give me a break. But always, you know, reading and looking ahead to when I would be old enough to play Martha, when I would be old enough to do Mother Courage, you know, these marvelous, huge roles that now there I, you know, my age is, I need the age. <laughs> you know, I couldn't have done it younger. <laughs> and that means in 20 years, you've got trip to Bountiful. <laughs> oh, I got all kinds of things lined up. Sure, sure, sure. You were in Dumb and Dumber 2. I know! <laughs> I know, it's the stupidest thing. However, I'll tell you, it, it is funny. It really it made me laugh. And that's, I don't usually laugh out loud at, in movies, but in any case, but it did, it made me laugh. But it was also, to me, it was also, I don't know, and there's, there's an accumulation, you know, over, you get real tired of people walking up to you and saying, Oh, you look good. 
<laughs> you know, as if by now I really should have expired or something, right? Uh, so, so being able to, you know, play this character and they go, no, no, you're not, you know, Frida was hot. Frida was smoking. And you go, listen, assholes, you know, I'm free. It's, it's just like we're saying, okay, okay, fine. I don't look like I used to. Get over it. Kathleen Turner, after Molly Ivins, you taking Molly Ivins past Berkeley? Possibly, probably. I I also believe in, we have no national theater support in this country. And our regional theaters, like Berkeley, like Arena, like Guthrie, you know, or Geffen in L.A., are where great new work and new talent is being created. So if I can take a show to a regional house and help support them, I think that's part of my job, too. You've been listening to a November 2014 interview with Kathleen Turner about her play Red Hot Patriot, The Kick-Ass Wit of Molly Ivins. A documentary about Molly Ivins can be found right now on Hulu. I'm Richard Walensky, and see you next Sunday for another edition of the Bay Area Theater Podcast. 